Welcome to Living Chassidus. Together, let's live the Chassidus we learn. Okay. <laughs> welcome. I'd like to welcome Rabbi Mendel Lipsker to the Living Chassidus Zoom. Um, Rabbi Lipsker is originally from Crown Heights, and he now lives in Melbourne, Australia, where he serves as both a teacher and a mashpia at the Boys Masifta for almost 25 years. As a young boy, he himself was in the heart of Chabad Lubavitch culture and was lucky enough to learn the Rebbe's Sichas in real time. Um, and he continues to spread their light around the world. In the 80s and 90s, he was a young Bachar immersing himself in Hasidus and the Rebbe's wisdom, something which he continues to do today with even more enthusiasm. The rest is history. Um, Rabbi Lipsker has been involved with Project Lakute Sichas from the very beginning and continues to share the Rebbe's weekly Sichas in an accessible and straightforward way. He teaches two of the project's weekly classes, one of the full Sicha and one as a quick overview. And we are very honored to have you this evening. Thank you, Rabbi Lipsker. Thank you very, very much for that warm introduction, most of which I did not hear, um, as my internet connection seems to be something wrong with it. So it was uh, going in and out. I hope you could hear me now and that hope it doesn't cut out at all. Um, so good evening to everyone. And what I would like to start off with just with a couple of um, short little anecdotes or stories, maybe to lead us into the topic that I would like to discuss. And there's a story told about a woman in the times of the Rebbe the Tzemach Tzedek that was having very, very great, big headaches. Wasn't feeling well, she was having these very, very strong headaches. And she went to the Tzemach Tzedek and the Tzemach Tzedek advised her that she should wash her head regularly in hot water. Seemed to be like what you would call a gashmi, is like a remedy if you want to call it that, but we understand that it's be, you know, the Tzadik, the Rebbe is saying to do this, so it's obviously, um, with the Rebbe's bracha, and of course, that's what she did, and of course, it helped. Her headaches went away, and this went on for a number of years, that she didn't have any more headaches. The Tzemach Tzedek was nostalgic. The Tzemach Tzedek passed away, and lo and behold, her headaches returned. Her headaches came back, and um, so after that, she heard that the Rebbe Maharash had become Rebbe. She went to the Rebbe Maharash and the Rebbe Maharash said, almost like making it as if it's not, not in any miraculous way or anything like that, it's almost sounding very casual about it and saying, look, if hot water doesn't work, then why don't you try, try cold water? And sure enough, she washed her head with cold water, no longer having any headaches. Some years passed. We know that Rebbe Maharash's Nasiris was not for very, very long. So it doesn't have to be that many years, this whole story taking place. But the Rebbe Maharash passes away. And sure enough, her headaches come back again. And she goes to the Rebbe Rashab and tells the Rebbe Rashab the whole story. And the Rebbe Rashab says, look, if hot water doesn't work and cold water doesn't work, 
then why don't you try mixing hot water and cold water together? And perhaps that will work. And sure enough, that's what she did. And she had her for Shlomo. Now, without learning too much shot into the story and why would it stop after a certain time and so on. But one message is very, very clear in this story is that every single doyer and every single Rebbe has you know, his way, his channel of the things, the way he's bringing things down into the world, the avoider that's needed for that particular time. And though things were the right avoider or the right method for a previous time and not to take away from anything that happened in previous generations, there is a special avoider that comes about when it's the generation, when it's the Rebbe of that time telling us what that avoider is all about. It's a very, very famous story that the Rebbe himself tells. Okay, don't know where I lost you, just got cut off and back on. Um, so let's try this again. Hope you could all hear me. Don't know why I just got cut off. Anyways, the point is that it's easy to listen to these stories. You could even learn it first. You know, if you find the sikh and then it's uh, something easy to listen to, just a short story as the Rebbe tells it. For again, this is just a uh, you know huge shvat coming, and we're looking for ways to connect more to the Rebbe, to understand the Rebbe. So that's just one little idea. But anyways, one of the famous stories that the Rebbe repeats a number of times. The Rebbe relates a story about two Jews. One was the rich man, and one was his hired um, wagon driver. And they're traveling, and they arrive to a city on erev Shabbos. And each one goes to his own lodgings, to his own place where he's going to stay for Shabbos. The rich man goes to his hotel. The, poor, the wagon driver, not so wealthy, goes to his little rundown inn where he's going to stay. And each one is making their preparations for Shabbos. And the Rebbe describes how the rich man is going with his big day Shabbos, all dressed in Shabbos clothes. He first went to the bathhouse and mikvah, and then on the way back, he's going to know the Shabbos clothes. And what he encounters on the way is some other wagon driver that was stuck in a ditch on the side of the road and needed some help. And this rich man that usually is not exactly doing this type of work, but nevertheless, a yid is in need and he figures, let me go help this yid. And um, sure enough, because he is not very accustomed to this sort of type of assistance of, to help other people in this particular way. So he ends up getting himself all dirty, his Shabbos clothes, he ends up getting himself all scratched. And in the, at the end of the day, he doesn't even end up helping this person that much. And now change scene, the Rebbe says, and what's happening with his own wagon driver at the time also prepared himself for Shabbos and makes his way to Shul a little bit earlier before Shabbos to go say some to Ilim. And 
what happens is, as he comes into the shul, there are all these poor, homeless beggars that are usually waiting for people to invite them for the Shabbos meal. And because he's now the first to shul before everyone else, and usually he doesn't have the opportunity to have guests because in his own town, um, people are, uh, you know, are going to the richer people in town rather than to his house. And he figures this is my opportunity to invite the poor people to my hotel room. And he invites all of them, 20 of them or something, to his own motel room. And by the time the re rest of the Balabatim, the rest of the people are coming to Shula wanting, wanting to invite these homeless people, sorry, we're all taken already, we're all invited. Okay, so these people all end up going with this wagon driver who doesn't really have much to offer them other than his few little, uh, you know, challah rolls for Lachamishna or whatever else he had over there. There's a little bit of, uh, today we would say his canned tuna or sardines. Um, he doesn't really have much to share with them. So you can imagine that they didn't have much of a Shabbos meal at all. And the point that Eben makes is that Eben then goes on to speak about how their neshamas come up the Lamaila and Ganeidin and how they're judged, etc. But the point that Eben makes of the story is that, of course, on the one hand, there's no question about it. We have a mitzvah, we have to take opportunities to do the mitzvahs that come to our hand, that's true. But we could see what happened in this particular story, how these two people sort of changed roles and as a result of them changing roles, really neither job ended up getting done properly. Because had the wagon driver been the one to help out the other wagon driver, then the jo that job would have been done perfectly. And had the rich man been the one inviting the people to his own house, to his own hotel, obviously they would have had a great Shabbos meal. And the message is a very, very clear one that we, uh, again, of course, we have to you know, always be involved in all sorts of avoiders and all sorts of things. But it's important to remember what is our main task and which avoider is the one that we're really cut out for, or what's the message or the avoider, the special thing that we need to be involved in at this particular time. In fact, in this parsha, parsha's b'shalach that we're just starting now. But I mean, it's already Sunday, but you must have Shabbos. But we're starting parsha b'shalach. We have the story of the Yidden leaving the Yamsuf after Kriyas Yamsuf and the whole story, and the positive describes how Vayasa Moshe, Moshe Rabbeinu is taking the Yidin now and uh, leading them further onto their journey. But the expression is Vayasa, which Rashi explains, and the Medrash explains that they were basically, Moshe basically had to be forcing them away from the Yamsuf because of all the spoils that were there by the Yamsuf from the Egyptians. And the Rebbe explains in the Sikha what in the world is going on over here. They they're heading to Matan Torah, and suddenly they're being carried away by all of this physical wealth. And the Rebbe, in his famous way, how the Rebbe you know, turns everything around and really seeing the, the avoid over here, what the Yidin were really trying to do, and yet they made a mistake, is that they were told, they had a mission, they were told previously that it was their job to collect to empty out Mitzrayim, to gather all the sparks of Mitzrayim through the physical objects that they're going to take from Mitzrayim. And therefore, when they now see this wealth, they say, hey, that means we didn't finish that job yet. And that's why they weren't rushing to go. But Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu knows what the mission is now. And as the Rebbe explains in that Sikha, when we hear something from Moshe Rabbeinu, notwithstanding all the previous great avoiders that we were involved till now, but we know that this is the mission right now. This is what we need to be doing. All of this is sort of just an introduction to really bring out the point that we're heading to Yud Shvat right now.
And on the one hand, there was tremendous avoid done in all the previous generations that we continue. What does the Rebbe want from us now? What is our Avodah? And could somebody give me uh, something, a hands up, whether you can hear me? I'm just getting, getting messages that my internet connection is no good. Anybody there? Okay. Okay, thank you. Um, so we know, I mean, we know this from right away from the first Mimer of Bossi Lagani. And the Rebbe's Holmesius, a tremendous, tremendous koch, and the idea that it's our avoida to bring Mashiach, to bring the Gula. That's what our avoida is all about. And I found something very interesting, very, very fascinating, which I'm realizing more and more. I, for some reason, I guess, you know, I haven't picked it up so much earlier, but in recent, recently I started noticing it more and more. And that is that, you know, we think about when we say that the Rebbe Kochzich and Mashiach and the Rebbe spoke so much about Mashiach. Or what was the Rebbe really, you know, saying? So I think most people would say one of the following two things, or perhaps both of those things. I think most people would say that Rebbe was speaking about the imminent coming of Mashiach. That's definitely something that Rebbe spoke about again and again and again and again and again, the imminent coming of Mashiach. And of course, the Rebbe spoke about that we need to do everything to bring Mashiach. So whether it's in the form of screaming out Mosiah, we want Mashiach now, or adding in mitzvahs, adding in Torah, or learning in Yadul Mashiach, whatever it may be. But generally, there's these, I think there's these two general ideas. On the one hand, you know, knowing that we're so close to Mashiach, and at the same time, also doing everything we can to bring Mashiach. Now, in Tafshin Nun Beis, the Rebbe started very, very strongly speaking about another aspect, and that is the concept of living with Mashiach, living with Mashiach. And part of that was also, as the Rebbe says by the Kinus Tashluchum of Tavshin and Beis, the Rebbe speaks about the idea that in every single thing we do, we should be seeing how in one way or another, this is leading to the things recently was that although, yes, it's true that it was a cotton and nun base, and over the years, you know, th there are some famous ideas that the Rebbe spoke about, it's based on Tanya and Perik Lamed Zayin, that everything we do nowadays is, sorry, everything that's going to happen when Mashiach comes is dependent on our avoider nowadays. So the concept is a general concept and it's known. But what I started realizing more and more is as I'm reading Sichas, going through different Sichas or different Maimorim, just seeing so much 
in the Rebbe's Sichus and the Rebbe's Torah, all the way back from the beginning, how this was a very common theme, but the Rebbe would often look at things of the Geula and speak about what it is that we do nowadays as a preparation for those things that are going to be by the Geula. And this went in one of two ways, either speaking about things of the Geula and then applying it how it applies nowadays, or the other way around. The Rebbe may have been speaking about a certain aspect in our avoida, and then saying, oh, so when we act in this particular way, this is a hachana for a particular thing that's going to be when she comes. And I would just like to share perhaps maybe a few examples, I don't know how many we'll get through, just to show this idea of how the Rebbe wants us to look in every area of Torah and Mitzvahs and every area of avoida Hashem, and in truth, not only in things that are directly Torah Mitzvahs, the Rebbe wants us, as the Rebbe says, to open up our eyes and to see in everything in the world how it's leading to the Gula. And the truth of the matter is, you know, just thinking about the name of this beautiful group that's called Living Hasidus. I mean, I think that's the best example we should start off with. What does Living Hasidus mean? What's the idea of Living Hasidus? Now, of course, I'm assuming the name implies, and what the name is meant to be is, that we learn a Maimur Hasidus, and that it shouldn't just remain somewhere in the abstract, but somehow that we're living our life in according to the standards of Hasidus, according to the things that we learn in Hasidus. That's what living Hasidus means. But to me, there's another translation of the word living Hasidus. Living Hasidus means living Gula. That's the translation of living Hasidus. Perhaps maybe that was the Kavana. Maybe that was the intention to start with. That's what living Hasidus means. What's going to be when Mashiach comes? The world will be filled with the knowledge of Hashem. is really the same as saying living godliness or as saying living Geulah. That's what it's all about because that's what, what's going to be when Mashiach comes. We're going to be living Hasidus. We're going to be living, you know, Elikus. That's, that's, that's really what it's all about. But as I said, I just wanted to give a few other examples uh, besides this famous one of the whole union of Hasidus is really about a Hachana to Geulah. So perhaps just selecting a, a few things. So one of the things we know about Mashiach is, um, and this is in Hayoyim Yoyim as well, Mashiach is called Oni Veroichev Al HaChamoyim. Oni, everyone translates as a poor man, but Oni is actually, Rashi translates that as a humble man. Mashiach is going to be a humble man, riding on a donkey, etc. And in Hayoyim Yoyim it explains, explains what is that humility of Mashiach, the humility of Mashiach is the fact that on the one hand, Mashiach is going to be the greatest of the great of the great. Says he's smarter than Shloim Mahamelech. In some places it says greater than Moshe Rabbeinu, the whole letter of the Rebbe. Um, you know, because in some places it says there is no Nabi like Moshe Rabbeinu, but that's another, that's another topic. 
So on the one hand, Moshe Rabbeinu, Mashiach being the greatest of the great, of, and, and, and he's going to be teaching Torah to the obvious and to Moshe Rabbeinu. On the other hand, we say Mashiach is going to be teaching Torah to the Anoshim Shutim, to the simplest people Mashiach is going to be teaching Torah as well. So it's about Mashiach's humility, which on the side, just to point out and to remind us, not that it's any Chiddush, it's something that we all know, but again, we're speaking about Iskashras and we're speaking about Rebbe just as another reminder. I mean, if you ever need an example for this idea of that humility of Mashiach, of this idea of the greatest of the great, and yet lowering himself self down, so to speak, lowering himself down, to no matter who, no matter what kind of person, I mean, all you need to do is watch a video of, of you know, the line of people coming to the Rebbe on a Sunday to get dollars. Or the line of people passing the Rebbe by a Kreshel Brocha or by a Lekach, just without even the sound, just looking at the line of people that are passing by the Rebbe from the guy with the Streimel and the Langapayas and, you know, perhaps uh, a Rebbe himself of his own group of Hasidim, etc., down to the person with the jeans and the knitted yarmulke or the little child or um, what was she called? The beauty queen, I think it is, uh, that, that passed by the Rebbe and the Rebbe is telling her that the real beauty is, you know, the, the inner beauty, etc. But you just watch a line like that and you see what we speak about Mashiach, you know, dealing with every single type of person. Which Rebbe did you ever have before? And which any great person do you ever have? You know, on the one hand, for bringing with the deepest, deepest sikhas and maimorim, the deepest hadronim, you know, endings of shas and so on. And, you know, the deepest maimorim of chassidus. And at the same time, you know, the very same day or the next day, you know, a, a rally for little children, and then a sikha to the girls, and then finally a sikha to the, to the elderly. I mean, this concept is just, just mind-boggling if you think about it just for itself. And again, without getting into all of that right now. But back to the humility of Mashiach. So just recently, I was learning a mimer. This is, we're now, you know, and just in the beginning of Shvat. So this is Hey Tevis, I was learning a mimer. One of the Mugadik edited mimerim of the Rebbe for Hey Tevis. And where the Rebbe speaks about the idea of humility. That's what the Rebbe is discussing. The Rebbe is describing the idea of the concept of mashpia and makabel. That's that's a topic of the Rebbe's mind. Yosef versus Yehud. Again, without getting into all of those details right now, but one of the points that Rebbe speaks about is that the ultimate um, idea and the way to be mashpia, the ultimate way of giving and sharing with someone, is when it's all about the recipient. It's completely about the recipient. It's nothing about myself at all. In other words, it's only the benefit that the recipient is going to get. It's not about the fact, although on the one hand it says, when I teach someone else, I end up gaining as well. But the ultimate is that it's not about um, what I'm going to gain out of it. It's about the recipient completely. And it's, as I said, in Chassidus, in the language of Chassidus, this is a, 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 a big arichus in that mimer. But then towards the end of the mimer, 
it's just a few little lines. But then the, the Rebbe says that we know that Mashiach is going to be in that greatest humility. And as we said before, that's what he's going to be about, teaching even those simplest people, the lowliest type of people, and so on. And therefore, the Rebbe says, how do we now prepare for that situation, for the time when Mashiach is going to come and be teaching Torah to every single Yid, even to those simplest Yidin? The Rebbe says this is when we go out of our way and we try to go ahead and teach other Yidin and help other Yidin. Again, for no other ulterior motive, for no selfish reasons, other than purely helping the other person completely. That's our whole focus, absolutely nothing else. And when we act in that way, we are making that hachana that the time is going to come when Mashiach is going to come and he is going to be teaching Torah to absolutely every. When we have that humility, we reveal Mashiach's humility in the world as well. I was just learning because it's um, Yud Shvat coming up and many people have been learning the mimer of Bossi Lagani of Tavshin Chav Gimel right now without getting into that right now, but it's a mimer from 60 years ago, corresponding to the Ois of um, this year, Ois Yud Gimel. If anyone thinks I need to clarify more about that, welcome to tell me. But the point is a different one, that I was learning not only the mimer, but I was learning that whole fabrengen of Yud Shvat Tavshin Chav Gimel. So not only the actual mimer, but also the Sichus. And in that fabrengen, two different places of the fabrengen completely, but bang. I again saw the same theme, which I said, I could really bring many, many examples. I'm just bringing a few of this concept that throughout the Nasius, the Rebbe is keeping on speaking this sort of language. Things that we do are the preparation. That's the way we are preparing now for the way things are going to be when the Gula comes. So in this Fabrengen, this appears twice. I didn't finish the Fabrengen. Maybe it happens again. I don't know. So one topic that the Rebbe is discussing is the topic of Tchiyas HaMesim. We all know one of the greatest things that are going to happen when Mashiach comes is Tchiyas HaMesim. Not only is it one of the greatest things, but in a certain sense, we could say that that is the ultimate, ultimate, ultimate of everything that's going to happen is by Tchiyas HaMesim. That's the ultimate time. Tchiyas HaMesim, as it says in so many different places, that's when we're going to be able to do the mitzvahs in the most perfect way. This is the time, you know, notwithstanding Ganeidin, all the Nishamas are going to come down from Ganeidin to merit Tchiyas HaMesim, etc. Um, says the Rebbe, everything that happens, everything that happens, L'Asud Lavoi, is all as a result of what we are doing right now. If Tchiyas HaMesim is such a major, major, major theme and major idea of what's going to be when Mashiach comes, so it's quite obvious, it's quite obvious that, sorry, can you just excuse me? Sorry about that, getting the door. Um, so obviously not only is there something about our avoid that's connected to Tchia Samesim, but the way the Rebbe puts it, it must be something very major involving all of our avoid. And this is what the Rebbe says, something fascinating. The Rebbe says, when we look at our world, it's a famous concept in Chassidus, part of what I'm about to say. When we look at our world, our Gashmi is like a physical world. Our world is a finite world. 
our world is a world that um, by itself, by itself does not last very, very long. Each item in the world has its lifetime, how long it's going to last, how long it's going to exist. Gashmi is by definition, as Hasidus explains, is something that's not really truly alive because what's true real life? True real life is something that lasts and exists forever. That's the only thing that's called truly alive. Famous example that Chassidus gives. Again, I'm not sure, I don't know the whole crowd, so I don't know how much we're familiar with what uh, I'm just trying to say the main point and try to be as clear as possible about it. Um, so I'm not saying things that everyone is either completely familiar with or that people have no clue what I'm saying. But the point is that Chassidus gives the example of um, certain things need to have for in order to become pure, we need mayim chayim, a living water, a spring, for certain things. And there's a Mishnah that describes and says that what is considered live waters, well, if it's a spring that dries up even once in seven years, then that's not really truly alive. That's not called life. You need something that's constantly flowing, from which Chassidus derives and tells us that anything that's not eternal, you can't call it really alive. So who is the one that's really alive? Clearly only Hashem is really alive. Or as we say in the passage, when we, the Yidin, are connected to Hashem, so we're truly alive. But any Gashmi is the thing, any physical thing on its own is here for a limited amount of time and therefore it's not really truly alive. Ah, says the Rebbe. So if we should take a Gashmi is the thing, and so to speak, plug it in to the true life to give it emissal life, true eternal life. That's the pshat chiyas We're taking from something that on its own is really dead, and we are going to make it alive. Where do we do that? When do we do that? Hey, that's what we do with every single mitzvah. Every single mitzvah is about taking gashri as the good things that on their own, they are mason, they are dead, and we are injecting them with true life. That is the true tchiyas mason. And not only when we do a mitzvah, we also know the concept of kol Every single thing that we involve our, in, connect our world with, the Abishter is making it truly alive. You're giving it tchiyas mason. So again, the Rebbe took something, in the future, and the Rebbe is, sh- is showing us that really all of our avoidance constantly is about preparing the world and in our own avoidance doing something similar because it's our avoidance now that brings about the things the, the way they're going to be when Mashiach comes. As the Alter Rebbe puts it in Tanya, I mentioned briefly before, that everything that's going to be when Mashiach comes in is dependent on our avoidance now. That's a nice statement in the Tanya. When you look at Tanya, it sounds like, okay, so there's going to be all these great Gilliam, and there are certain things that are obviously going to cause it. But you learn the Rebbe Sichas, so and we start seeing the way the Rebbe looks at the world. It's about everything. Every part of our avoida is all constantly leading to Gula. It's about what brings the Indianum of the Gula. I said there were two examples, and that's why I bring it. Again, they're not related to each other. They're not in the same context. It's not like the Rebbe says, oh, let's find another example. The Rebbe is just saying things speaking about different things, and it just ends up coming up out this idea as well. So the Rebbe is speaking in this particular part of the Fabringen 
The Rebbe is speaking about the idea that it says when Mashiach is going to come, one of the prophecies that says about Mashiach is going to come, one of the Medrashim and the Gemaras, about the Rebbe, from the Rebbe about this general topic as well, it says that Ilone Sirak, that even those trees that are not fruit-bearing trees, are going to be producing fruit when Mashiach comes. Ilone Sirak Oisim Peris. Based on a Pasuk and Pasha. So what does that what does that mean in our avoid this Hashem today? How do we today bring about this beautiful prophecy? Wow, every single tree we're gonna go outside. I don't know where everyone is located right now. Um, but um, if most of you or many of you are in Crown Heights, most of the trees we see down the streets are not exactly fruit-bearing trees. These are called Ilone Srak. If you're living out somewhere in the country or somewhere else. Or planted your own tree, maybe maybe you have a um, you can see a fruit tree. But most of the trees we look around are not fruit bearing trees. Now we know that Chazal tell us that what are considered peiroseim, what are considered the fruit of tzaddikim, talmidei chachamim, etc. Right, our meisim toyim, our mitzvahs, those are considered our fruit. So the Rebbe says a person sometimes looks at himself, he views himself, he thinks of himself as a non-fruit-bearing tree. He's an Elon Srak, that ever said. The person looks at himself and thinks of himself that, you know, I'm not shy to anything. There's no way that I can achieve anything. There's no way that I could do anything. I'm not really capable of, you know, doing mitzvahs and my centuries and learning Torah, etc., etc. Says that everyone, when we then turn around, and we say that notwithstanding these challenges or these things that seem to be getting in our way, we are going to make sure to produce those fruit, then that itself brings about the time of the Gula when Ilani Srak that even physically, these trees, these non-fruit bearing trees, will bear fruit. I want to mention one more example right now. Just something very fascinating I came across. And perhaps maybe towards the end, just mention another one or two little points on, on this topic. But again, the general theme for anybody that joined a little bit later or may have lost me along the way, that I'm just trying to point out, is that a very, very major part of the avoid of our generation, as the Rebbe highlighted it, as the Rebbe focused on it, is of course, our avoid is to bring Mashiach, our avoid is to know that Mashiach is coming. But when we say to bring Mashiach, it's not only in a few specific things. You know, we get stuck and we say, this is going to bring Mashiach or do a mitzvah. Any mitzvah is going to bring Mashiach, which is true. Any mitzvah we do brings Mashiach. But it's also about looking at the world in a different way with the Rebbe's glasses, literally seeing in every single thing its connection to Gula. How is this something similar to what's going to be when Mashiach comes? How is this a preparation for the things that are going to happen when Mashiach comes? Literally seeing it in everything. So, as I said, there are many more examples, but I just want to, for right now, focus on one more example, because it's a very geschmacky Indian, and again, um, related to the general idea, really, of how the Rebbe looks at us, and so on. So, there's a famous saying, which um, I'll get to the, I'll mention a point in the Sikh in a moment, that, that relates to what we're speaking about, but as part of um, you know, understanding this Pisgum, I wanted to understand it a little bit better. So actually, just before this uh, sitting together right now, I went 
Um, okay, I see the, gla the logo is Hashem's glasses like arrow. Okay, beautiful, thank you. Um, okay, so I just want to look up a few of the Rebbe's letters where the Rebbe brings this phrase that I'm about to quote. And I just came across some very interesting things, you know, some, so there's a pisgum, a saying that the Rebbe quoted a number of times, specifically in the Igros Kodesh, you have this a few times. And the Rebbe said, the Rebbe said, it's, the Rebbe said in the name of a pisgum of Chassidim or the Rabbeim, I'll say it in Yiddish first, Yemem's Gashmius is by Mir Ruchnius. The other person's Gashmius, says the Rebbe, well, the Rebbe is saying that this is the Chassidish way of looking at things. Not, not saying that that's only a Rebbe doing it. But the Rabbeim act in this way, the Chassidim act in this way. Yenem's Gashmi is the other person's Gashmius is my Ruchmius. Which my understanding of that is, in other words, when we come to ourselves, so obviously there's going to be a difference. There's a time I'm involved in, you know, I'm hungry and I want to eat. Of course, I should try to do it L'shem Shemayim and all of that. And then there's a time that I'm actively involved in a mitzvah, in something spiritual. Now, we approach another Yid, and the Pisgum of the Rabbeim is saying is, yes, of course, we want to help other Yid in Baruchniyas, no question about it. That's what Mufsoyim is all about. But you know what? Helping another Yid by itself is already a Ruchniyistic concept. That itself is something ruchnius. That's a mitzvah. That's obviously sroel. It's tzedakah. Whatever, however, we should look at it. As I said, the Rebbe doesn't really always explain necessarily the full scope of it. But the idea is the moment you help another, it even begashmius. That's already a ruchnius dikkah concept. Maybe my own gashmius is questionable, but another person's gashmius is for sure ruchnius. That's what the Rebbe says in a number of letters. Just by way of example, one of the letters that I just came across this morning, fascinating. The Rebbe is writing to someone, and the Rebbe says, I received your letter, on which it said, urgent. And the Rebbe says, I haven't received a letter from you in a very, very long time. This is something that the Rebbe often complains in the letters to people, you know, I'm not hearing from you often enough. The Rebbe wants to hear Suri's Toivai, the Rebbe wants to hear good news. The Rebbe wants to hear how they're doing Beruchnius. You know, how they're, whether it's Fabringans or Miftsoyim or Shiurim. So something that the Rebbe encourages so, so much. The Rebbe keeps on begging for this in the letters. And on a side note, there's a number of letters where the Rebbe writes to people that were writing about Gashmi's problems. And the Rebbe says, this is quite a number of letters like this, where the Rebbe says that Bajgocha protest, we needed to be in contact with each other. But had we been in contact, had you written to me about your things, how well things are going, you know, what you're doing, Ruchlius and your avoid or whatever it is, then perhaps you would never have to have written to me about a Gashmizdik problem. So that's an aside note, just to remind us that it's important to write to the Rebbe, to write good news to the Rebbe, to write about our Shiurim or about our Mufzoim or whatever other good things are going on in our life. So as another point. But anyways, the Rebbe writes, I saw this letter, it said urgent. And I haven't received a letter from you in a long time. And my assumption was, based on your previous letters, that, and my assumption was not wrong, says the Rebbe, that it's probably about some urgent thing happened by Gashmius. Because I never get, says the Rebbe, any letters from you, Ruchnius, about Ruchnius, the matters. Every time you write to me, it's because of some desperate situation happening by Gashmius. And when I open the letter, that's exactly what I find. 
again about a gashmi as the issue, and that you're asking me also to reply to you, urgently express mail, which I'll do. But after this little introduction, the Rebbe says, notwithstanding that I was I was hoping for a Ruchmi is the letter, but it's all about Gashmias, but the Rebbe quotes this Pisgum that I just said. But taking into consideration this idea that the other person's Gashmias is my Ruchmias, for me that's Ruchmias. If it's another person's Gashmias, it's my Ruchmias. Taking that into consideration, then of course I'm going to answer you express and give you what you need and answer you, etc., etc. And another few letters like that as well, where the Rebbe is answering people with Gashmias and speaking about the idea that, you know, another Yitz Gashmias is my Ruchmias. And the Rebbe says, especially taking into consideration the concept that we know that an, a Yitz Guf is Kodesh, a Yitz Guf is holy. Okay, after that little introduction, I came across the following Sikha, where the Rebbe speaks about this idea. But before saying this idea, this point, the Rebbe says the following. The Rebbe says that in our own avoida, we try to involve our gashmi, it should be l'shem shamayim. We try to, you know, make sure that um, we're doing things for the sake of Hashem, with the right intentions, and so on and so forth. Now, we all know we have a cough. We have a certain excitement. And the question that becomes now is really coming because of a spiritual reason, or perhaps is it coming because of a ruchnis? A ruchnis is coming because of a ruchnis, a reason or is it because of a gashmis? When it comes to ruchnis, am I as excited? Or as it comes to gashmis, yes, l'shem shemaim, so I'm excited. So the Rebbe says the following: the Rebbe says that where the real test is is when I go and help another Yid. If I go and help another Yid, Begashmius, and I'm excited about it, and we said already that the Yid's Gashmius, another Yid's Gashmius is Ruchnius, so therefore, if I help another Yid with my passion, with my excitement to go out of my way to help another Yid, then that is the best proof that my Gashmius and Ruchnius are really aligned. That even Gashmis is not just purely for the sake of Gashmis, but really because that's what Hashem wants. Ah, now comes the, the point. The Rebbe says, based on this idea, that really a Yid Gashmis and Ruchnis need to be aligned. And when we deal with another Yid, we could see if we're really in, involved that the Gashmis is like the Ruchnis, because we're helping another Yid with Gashmis, and another Yid Gashmis is Ruchnis. Sorry about that. Second time, door, door, doors opening. I need to open doors. Um, Bracha, come here. You want to say hello by this for bringing? Come here, tell everyone hello. Kai Mushka's also here, come here. Um, yeah. One second. So anyways, I just heard there was a mazel tov over here. So mazel tov, yes. Um, yeah. Michal had a baby, is that right? Beautiful. Um, come, brother, you come say hello to everybody, but it's my brain again. Okay, wave. Good. Okay, so sorry. So the Rebbe says 
The Rebbe says, now we can understand. The Rebbe says, what's this idea of making another person's Gashmius into Ruchmius? What's this idea? So the Rebbe says, we all know that when Mashiach is going to come, we're going to see the special quality of Gashmius. We're going to see the holiness in Gashmius. When Mashiach comes, we're going to see how there's no separation, there's no dichotomy between Gashmius and Ruchmius, how it's all one. So how do we prepare for that today? The Rebbe says, ah, that's exactly the point of this war. When the Rabbeim came along and told us that another Yid's Gashmius is Ruchmius. Treat another Yid and anything the person needs. Make sure to give them exactly what they need. And that is most Ruchmius, the greatest thing possible. That is our preparation for this time. That's the way of training ourselves in this time. But you know what? You know what? There is no difference in Gashmius and Ruchmius. Even in Gashmius, there's the greatest, most amazing Powers of Elikus are right there in the in the Gashmis as well. Is something not directly related to this topic. But it's just a very, very powerful, powerful message in all of our avoida, because we often think about, you know, who are we to be able to achieve things? And do we have the koichas to achieve things? We know that ever kept on, kept on telling us always the power that we have, the koich that we have, the tremendous, infinite koichas that we have to bring the gula. And in every single situation of avoida, Sasha, we have the koichas. And there's one very, very, very fascinating letter of the Rebbe that highlights this point. And if you all know it already, I'm going to apologize in advance. Um, but I want to focus on this for a couple of minutes because the first time I saw it, and whoever I ever repeated it to, it's just like, wow. Um, whoever is host right now, is there any way that I could share my screen? If not, I'll just have to read it out. I would like to sh share screen if possible. Host, host, host. No. You should be able to share. Yeah, let me try. Thank you. Okay. Um, let me see if this works a second. How much time do we have, by the way? I didn't get an answer. How much time do we have? Okay, no answer. Um, I'll try to finish off in a few minutes, either way. So here is here is the letter. You, you, can everyone see it? Someone give me a thumbs up? Okay. Thanks. Yes, yeah. Okay, so here is the letter. Again, if anyone saw it before, my apologies in advance. It's a good reminder anyway. Whoever didn't see it, this is amazing. So here is a letter where an individual wrote to the Rebbe, someone from New Haven, wrote to the Rebbe that the Rebbe, please, uh, I'm not sure all the details that he wrote in the letter, but he wrote in the footnote, it mentioned that he wrote, Rebbe, please do everything you can to help me. Give me a hand over here. I'm really stuck type of thing. Obviously feeling you know, very demoralized or not, uh, not being able to do his avoid. So this is what the Rebbe says to him. The Rebbe says, Terem yikro'u, write the bottom letter on the page, va'ani'en. Me to send you some help. I did already. 
Nikvar Osisi Katso. So I did your advice already quite a while back. Vinishlach Lashom, and to your place I have sent a Shliach. There is a Shliach there. That's the name of the Shliach. The Rebbe says, but it appears from your letter, and from your previous letter, it seems to be that you don't know this man, you don't recognize and appreciate the koiches, the tremendous powers that this man has. So since you didn't get to know him yet, the alcohol upon him, at least try to get to know him now. This is an amazing, amazing person with unbelievable powers. And as soon as you get to know him, this is what's going to happen, says the Rebbe. Take it from Yad, as soon as you get to know him, everything is going to change. Hamatzav Ruach means your mood is. All the amazing things that are going to happen. And then the Rebbe finishes off with Askir Alatia. Okay, nice letter. Why did I say this is so mind boggling and unbelievable, unbelievable, unbelievable? Because here you have to know who the Rebbe wrote this letter to. Have a look. Yeah, have a footnote. Right over here under the letter. Minor, this is an answer to Moshe Yitzchak Hecht. Okay, so the Rabbi Hecht, Moshe Yitzchak, for those of you even know, Rabbi J.J. Hecht used to run the rallies. Maybe his relatives over here to the Hecht, maybe even grandchildren of this Rabbi Moshe Hecht. I have no idea who's on. He was a Shriach in New Haven. So this Shriach in New Haven is writing to the Rabbi Hecht. Sorry about that again.
Sorry about that. Trying a different way right now. Hope you guys could hear me. Everybody still on or not? Everyone left? Yeah. Hi there. Can you hear me? Okay. Hello. Okay. Try again. Fine. So just finish. I'll just finish off briefly. Um, again, we're speaking about the tremendous amuna that the women Jewish girls had there, the ones that prepared the tambourines in Mitzrayim. We have to go with the same koiches, with the same amuna, the same bitachin. We'll just also mention a very, very interesting sikha of the Rebbe in Tokshan and Beis, a sikha about the Jewish women and girls. The Rebbe makes a special connection between all of the different things in Chayda Shvat, specifically being connected to the Jewish women and girls, Shei Abnais Yisroel, where the Rebbe says that Yud Shvat, is obviously before the Hilul of the Friedrich Rebbe, it was first the yard site of Friedrich Rebbe's grandmother. So the original Bossi Ligani was actually given out because of Rebbe, the yard site of Rebbe and Rivka. The continuation of the Maimur Bossi Ligani given out to Yud Gimel Shvat is the yard site of the Friedrich Rebbe's mother, Rebbe and Stern And just a few days later, we have Chav Shvat, the yard site of Rebbe and Chaim Mushka. So the Rebbe speaks about, about Shvat and the, these special days so much being connected with Neshei Obnois Yisrael, as well as, um, listen before these guys, as well as the Rebbe says, the whole Bossi Ligani itself is really, if you think about it, Bossi Ligani Achoisi Kalo is really speaking about uh, the idea of Yidin being considered the Kalo of Hashem and so on. So really there's that connection as well. Um, finally, just one more thing on the theme that we were speaking about preparing for the Gula. This I want to finish up with a bracha for everyone. I know there are lots of um, girls over here that still need to have shiduchim. And one of the sikhs that I came across, sikh of Shabbos Parshas, the same thing, I know we were speaking earlier just to point out how you see this throughout the Nasiyas years, many, many years earlier, this general theme. But in the sikh of Parshas, the same thing, the Rebbe is speaking about Yud Gimel Elul is the is the chasana of the free Rebbe, and the Rebbe is speaking over there also about preparing for the Geula and so on. And the Rebbe says one of the themes preparing that's going to be by the Geula is Ozi Mole Schoik Pinu. We're going to have tremendous simcha when Mashiach comes. So the Rebbe says the way to prepare for that is to have a tremendous simcha right now. First of all, Chassidus Shafabrengins with simcha, which hopefully we're doing right now. And also the Rebbe says chasanas. Having chasanas that are permeate filled with simcha is also the preparation to is also the preparation to the simcha of the gula amitas vashlema. We will all have that ultimate chasana between the Abishter and Klal Yisrael. So the Abishter should help that already before this Yud Shvat, we should all be able to fabring and see the Rebbe and all of our preparations that we did throughout all of these years will finally bear all of that fruit and we'll see it, Begili Mamash will see it in the most open and revealed way. And we shall all be zoichet to many, many simchas, chasanas, both the gashmias and the ruchnias, the kachasana, etc. having many, many simchas. 
all the way to the Isgalus of Mashiach, take it from Yad Mamash. All the very best. Amen. Thank you so much, Rabbi Lipsker. Um, and thank you, everyone, for being so patient. We have a living Hasidic tradition of taking a selfie. So if everyone doesn't mind um, putting their cameras on, um, we'll take a selfie of all of us. Stay on for that. I'm off. I'm not selfie. Do you mind staying on? Okay. Okay. Um, I think Bracha's going to give us a count of. I don't. Oh, we'll wait a second. I am Ashka. You're on a plane. Um, I don't try. I'm not sure if my computer will do it again because the thing stopped. But I can try, unless someone wants to just take a picture of the screen or something. Um, but I can try. Okay. So everyone. All set. One, two, three. All right. Okay. All the best. Take care. Bye. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Thank you.